This is Shane Gibson's podcast, and today I want to talk about return on investment in social media. Return on investment in anything. I think first off is that too many people who are talking about return on investment in the marketplace, and I won't sort of pick on anybody in particular, uh, but I've seen a couple recent events that have occurred in the immediate community online where we've got these experts, some of them academics, some of them with strong marketing backgrounds, talking about return on investment in social media. Yet, number one, after I Googled their name, I couldn't find a Twitter account or a blog. <laughs> and so when I look at this, that's great that we're monitoring, we're measuring, we're studying what other people are doing, and we're trying to put metrics to it. But I think unless you've been involved in utilizing these tools for a considerable period of time, you're not even going to begin to realize the true size and context of return on investment in social media. So if we've been studying, if we've been blogging, if we've been tweeting for six months, or a year even, or even myself, if I look at myself, I've been involved heavily, let's say, in Twitter for 27 months, I believe that actually the true return on investment has only begun. And so I'm going to use a couple examples. Uh, one of them is, an, is a non-marketing example. It's a non-social media example. But it's an example about how traditional mentality about old sort of structured organizations don't really look at what we call return on relationship or even the true return on investment. So a number of years ago, I ran a program called the Youth Entrepreneur Program in Burnaby, British Columbia. And I shouldn't say I ran it. There was a team of us who collaborated on it. Uh, yes, I had the, the title of program coordinator, but in reality, it was really a team effort. So as a team, we took 19 to 29-year-olds and helped them start their own business over 16 months. All of our funding, 100%, came from the federal government of Canada. Thank you, Canada. It was a great investment. In fact, we had a very high startup rate or self-reliance rate of 80%. Now, how the government measured that was that they measured how many students had started a business, gone back to school, or got a job within 120 days after graduating the program. That was the 80% self-reliance rate. Now, I had three students I want to talk about. All three would be part of the other 20%. In the eyes of the government, the failures. If there was more of these people, they would no longer fund this program. They would no longer invest in it because there was no ROI for Canada. Now, let's fast forward a decade later, 10 years later. I'm in contact with two to three of these people on a regular basis, and one of them I visited him a couple times in the last couple of years to see how he's doing. So remember, within 120 days, all three of these people were unemployed. One of them moved back to Japan, started a business in the aesthetics and personal care business, got the rights for a technology in Japan that he's got the exclusive rights for, and today grew his business to over $9 million a year in sales, employing dozens of people directly and creating millions of dollars of taxable revenues as well. And that's good for Japan, not so good for Canada. But here's the other side. The second student, he went off to start a commercial cleaning business directly employs over 80 people, also buys multiple products from manufacturers here in Canada for cleaning, and creates millions of dollars of taxable revenues and jobs here in Canada. The next student didn't go on to start their own business, but took their experience and went on to successfully run bars, nightclubs, market hotels, beverages, you name it, and has generated millions of taxable dollars and directly and indirectly created employment for many, many people here in Canada. So that's not on the government's balance sheet. Why? Because they're too short-term. At best, a government agency thinks in four-year terms or in election cycles. Uh, 
Very rarely do they plan within decades, and we wonder why we're in so much trouble continually and why we don't have good social projects put into place. But we can use this analogy for marketing as well. In most cases, a good marketing strategy, according to Jay Levinson, author of the Guerrilla Marketing series of books, which is the best-selling series of books on marketing in history, states that it takes up to 18 months for an effective guerrilla marketing attack to get its full return on investment. 18 months. He also cites that the biggest loss in marketing investment isn't failed campaigns, but good campaigns that were quit on too early. So we look at social media marketing and people talk about measuring return on investment, and then I think about measuring return on relationship. And the reality is these tools have only been around for 36 months. Most major corporations who've looked at utilizing it, or even entrepreneurs who've looked at utilizing it for economic purposes, have only been toying with it for for maybe a year. So we talk about measuring return on investment. The challenge is we don't have the metrics. Very few people have committed long enough with these tools and understand them well enough to really see the true long-term benefit of the return on investment. Going back to my government analogy, those three people would have been seen as failures, yet were probably the greatest ROI of those funds invested in creating new entrepreneurs. The other challenge for return on investment measurement in most cases in social media is that we tend to measure tools independently in short term. So not only are we tunnel vision or short term in our focus, in other words, we can't see beyond our nose, but we also have tunnel vision. So in other words, we're just going to measure Twitter on its own. Is Twitter going to work for my business? Or is YouTube going to work? And the way we do that is we post three videos, it doesn't work, and we quit. Yet the reality is what we've seen from brands like Starbucks or even brands like Ford who have used social media effectively is number one, they use a whole bunch of tools at once, Twitter, Facebook, blogs, YouTube, and their own corporate sites. But they also integrate them with offline events and marketing. So in other words, they take a holistic approach, a full marketing plan approach versus isolating social media unto itself for ROI or even worse, just measuring YouTube or blogs and saying, should I blog? Is my blog getting me a return on investment? So in other words, they typically, most people who don't understand social media ROI are measuring A, individual tools instead of the whole approach. And they're, in, they're measuring social media marketing instead of the entire marketing mix. And they're too short-term focused. So I think at the end of the day, if you're going to do it effectively, put all the tools together, make sure they're integrated and make sure it's integrated with your marketing efforts as a whole, and not just your marketing, but even community outreach and how you connect with stakeholders in your community from a triple bottom, bottom line perspective, are we looking at social media use in this way as well? So I guess why I share this is I want to talk a little bit about the fact that when we talk about return on investment, I think too often we're very, very short-term focused. And I think I've probably beat this concept to death here with this, with this podcast. So I want to talk about return on relationship. Is that sales and marketing and leadership, is about, any of them are about creating an environment where an act of faith can take place. And that act of faith is based upon trust. Trust is built upon relationship. And relationship is built upon adding value over time to someone's life or business. And that's key. Adding value over time to someone's life or business. I didn't say develop a great landing page. I didn't say put up one great YouTube video. Return on relationship, which will create trust and create an environment where an act of faith can take place, is where the real revenues kick in. Whether you join your local Vancouver Board of Trade, 
or you get online and build an online community to engage your stakeholders utilizing social networking is that in most cases, your return on relationship is not going to occur for at least 12 to 18 months. You might like uh, luck out and get some short-term revenues, but that initial purchase is not the real win. The real win is when you've got complete mind share because that mind share equals wallet share and that takes time. Social media has only been around for 36 months in its present incarnation. Blogs have been around longer. And really, most companies have only been using it for about 8 to 12 months and beginning to measure what's there. But they won't see the true ROI and true ROR until we really roll into the next, I would say, 24 months. So many people will quit long before it's profitable for them. So let's talk about ROR and how we get focused. So... There's a whole bunch of things I could get into here as far as measurement, as far as processes, uh, as far as putting a marketing calendar together and a listening calendar together, an engagement calendar together, which are three different things. But I want to give you a quick exercise to start thinking ROR versus ROI and really commit to the long term. And this is a quick acid test for you as well. So just in your mind, think about it. Do you know at least 10 people today that you didn't know before you started using social media in a very personal level? If not, I'd say you've been focusing on the wrong thing. Probably broadcasting, probably short-term thinking, uh, probably not stepping out of the comfort zone as well and actually engaging and connecting with people. So you should know whether you've been doing this for, I would say, six months or 36 months, at least 10 great people you didn't know before through social media. So remember, behind every door, there's really a room with doors. And those connections can lead us to thousands of people. And really, in most cases, the people willing to open that door up or make true endorsements of us and really connect us in a meaningful way to their network, we have to have a relationship with them. So let's roll this back here and let's think about this. Number one, what we need to do is we need to know our ideal thought leaders, influencers, community leaders, clients, and stakeholders. Who are these people? Who do we want to connect with? So you've got 200 people who have commented on your blog in the last year. You've got 1,000 people who follow you on Twitter. Do you know who the 100 people who follow you on Twitter are or that you follow that are thought leaders, influencers, community leaders, clients, and stakeholders that you really need to engage over the next 12 months to really help grow your business and help add value to their life? Do you have them on a list? Are you monitoring their actions? Are you involved in conversations? And are you learning about them? Second, second thing you need to do is set a specific goal for engagement. So what is your goal with these people? Do you want to be known by them? Do you want to get them to help build a community? Do you want to connect with them offline? Do you want to uh, develop knowledge, get influence, or be mentored by them? What's your goal? And then have tools and processes that can help you do that. So today I'm not going to talk about this, but in further podcasts, I'm going to talk about some key tools and processes for really measuring these relationships and how to set goals and how to move forward with them. But what I want you to do to start with today, if at all possible, if you haven't done this already, is take that big list of thought leaders, influencers, community leaders, clients, and stakeholders. So take your list of 100 people that you have at least under those categories. And of that 100, just pick 10. And think of these, of this 100, which 10, if we connected with in person, on phone, or via Skype, or some other tool to have a one-on-one conversation with them and engage more than just through text... 10 people that if I connected with, there could be a real win-win for both of us. 
This might be interviewing them for your podcast as a start or for your blog or getting the guest blog. This might be taking them for a coffee. This might be just asking permission to connect with them on the phone and get to know a bit more about them on a more meaningful way. And the key here is that I believe that engagement is about making other people feel listened to, not just the fact that, and heard, not just monitored or responded to. So do they feel heard? And it's a, and really also engagement's about involvement, not just entertainment. So great, you're producing great links on Twitter, putting interesting stuff on blogs, but have you involved these people on a deeper level? I think that's where those relationships will start building. And that's where you're going to get your real ROR, return on investment, as Darcy Rezac says, in the next 12 to 18 to 36 months in your activities. Social media is not going to go away. It'll evolve, but it's going to become more and more part of the way we market, communicate, and collaborate. And we have to start thinking long-term return on relationship and stop worrying about whether or not the last 100 tweets we sent this month are actually paying us any money. This is Shane Gibson's podcast from closingbigger.net.